Hey, what's up there, Surf Splendor podcast listeners? This is your host, David Scales, welcoming you back for another episode. Today, I'm actually going to bring you an episode of Surf News. Usually, we try to do one week surf news, one week of a profile piece, and then back to surf news and so on and just rotate weeks. I'm actually going to be out of town next week, and so wanted to get together with Scott this week. Next week, I'll bring you a profile piece. It's already in the can. It's a big guest, so I'm really excited to share that with you. Um, I'm really happy with the piece and the conversation. It was really, really rewarding, really insightful. So look forward to that next week. I will upload it on Monday, so you'll have the full week with it. And um, if you're new to the show, welcome. You can find all past episodes on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com or in iTunes or any podcast app that you want to download. Um, everything is archived for free. Episode one was over a year ago. It was with Chris Cote discussing the fallout of Transworld Surf. Since then, we've interviewed Dan Malloy, uh, shapers, photographers like Morgan Mawson and legendary Aaron Chang and filmmakers and just kind of everybody in between so go through the archives enjoy it's all free make sure if you enjoy it just to share the show with a friend that's just your way to invest in the show's future we don't advertise there's no business model intact it's all just kind of growing through word of mouth so the more people who are listening the more shows we'll be able to produce and the larger guests we will be able to attract the guest that I was talking about with next week's show, um, you know, he signed on to do an episode basically because of another episode that he listened to with a friend of his. So that's the way this thing grows. Better guests, the more people who are listening. So thank you for sharing and um, also rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. It's another way to help the show grow. Oh, one other thing. We are hosting a screening for the film Bella Vita. So if you're in Southern California, we would love to have you attend the screening. It's going to be held in Long Beach, and it's on Wednesday, September 24th at 7.30. You have to purchase the tickets in advance online. There's a link to purchase on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, and uh, they're 11 bucks. so, you know normal movie ticket price. So if you're in town, definitely participate in that. And we hope to meet you there. All right. I'll sign us off at the end of the show. Until then, enjoy today's episode. Welcome, everybody, down the line, Surf Talk Radio, and we're broadcasting to you live on this Wednesday, September 10th, from Shack, the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center here in San Clemente, Scott Bass, along with David Lee Scales, and we've got uh, a week of surf to catch up on and discuss here on Down the Line Surf Talk Radio. Two weeks in a row, Scott. Didn't even take a week off, man. That's how hardworking we are. I know. Bringing people the latest action in the surf world. It's a little echoey in here, so we apologize, but uh, we're making do with what we have. Our resources limited, our excitement, and our engagement unlimited. 
froth levels are sky high. <laughs> are they <laughs> frothing? Dude, I, gotta well, say. I just drank two cups of coffee and sat in traffic for an hour and 15 minutes. So I'm coming in hot, dude. I think I'm in trouble. Ready to roll. <laughs> I got a feeling this is, this is get Scott in trouble radio podcast. Ma- yeah. Make sure not to uh, <laughs> say anything too Brazilians. controversial. Yeah. yeah. How was that by the way? Uh, I don't, I don't think they're, I got a lot of feedback. Most of it, hundred percent of it negative. Like people are anti Scott Bass being anti Gabe Medina. Wow, got yeah. the heat. What was the the most uh, well? Let me let hurtful me, thing that somebody said. I wasn't really hurtful, oh, okay. but but let me just back up and say last week, if you didn't hear, David and I were discussing the pro tour, and I was saying, hey, it's good to have a guy wear the black hat. And for me personally, the guy that wears the black hat is Gabe Medina. And you asked why, and basically what came out of it was that I dislike Brazilians. And um, there's probably came- a little bit of truth to that. Okay. okay. And, 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 but at the end of the day, what I really, what I, what's more important is whether, what my opinion is or what your opinion is. Um, it's more about nationalism for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm always going to root for the American. And, um, and Gabe is the perfect guy for me to root against. Right. You know, because he's, he's this young, red hot Brazilian that surfs incredible. He's a good person and a great human being. And, and he's he's basically kicking Kelly Slater to the side. Right. And so as a fan of the sport, that upsets me. And so Gabe wears the black hat for me. And a lot of people were upset with me about that. And quite frankly, maybe understandably so. But I'm going to stick to my guns. Gabe's my black hat guy. I don't want to see him do well. And uh, I root against the Yankees. I root against um, the Oakland Raiders. I root against Serena Williams. I root against a lot of people in different sports. And um, that means I don't dislike them as human beings, but uh, it's good to have it's good to have rivalries. I think people nowadays anyways are a little too sensitive and politically correct. And I think that it's fully okay to have nationalistic pride. And that's very different than being a racist, you know, or something extreme like that. There's no hatred towards another race. It's just a pride in what you know, the people that you're familiar with, basically, in your local surroundings. So I think that that is a little bit out of line. But the reason why I was pressing in the conversation last week is because I think what your sentiment or what you were feeling is representative of the surf culture at large. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a discussion that's worth having, is that people do say, look, Brazilians are taking over the lineup at lowers or wherever it is, and they're super aggressive, and I don't like you know, and, and so that's worth discussing. And I was just curious to hear kind of how you view it yourself, you know, well, cause I, I do feel a little bit of it as well, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I look, um, I, I don't think I'd be the first one to be sort of anti-Brazilian, but it's unfair to paint the Brazilian surf contingent with such a broad sweep of the of brush course. stroke. Of course. Um, and I will say this, that in their defense, they have been, um, by the surf industry in North America, they have been sort of um, pushed to the side a little bit. And For what's, sure. what's interesting about Gabe is that he's, so, he's such an incredible surfer. Let me turn this down a little bit. He's such an incredible surfer and an incredible ambassador of the sport that really the surf industry, you and I, we can't, we can't deny him. We have to acknowledge his greatness. And Absolutely. maybe that's where... I I get a little upset too. Yeah. And I think one thing that I saw in one of the emails or comments that came through was um, somebody commenting about the fact that English is Gabe's second language. So he's almost at a deficit in terms of being able to explain himself and ingratiate himself to us 
You know what I mean? If he was able to fully embrace the language in it and kind of explain his passion uh, for winning or whatever it is, then we might be able to uh, sympathize with him a little bit more. As it stands, he's just kind of giving short answers because he's uncomfortable with the language, which is totally acceptable, you know? Yeah. So at any rate, uh, the other comment or discussion that you and I got into was just about the format of the podcast and either kind of keeping topics tighter and more of them or, you know, longer form and unpacking issues in great length. The comments I read on that is people want longer form discussion. Okay, well. So that, chalk um, another one up for D scales over here. That's two. I'm ready for an in-depth discussion on stand-up on paddle length and which size is the right size. Ooh. Begin. Oh, no. How about, <laughs> let okay. me bring up the topics this time. Oh, fair enough. Um, and then um, I had a couple of listener emails. Did you have anything else before we get into emails? No, no, go for it. A couple of listener emails. Um, uh, the first one is an email from Jeff Swisher. He's in Santa Cruz. He said, um, quote, David, I'm a 32-year-old novice surfer. Started surfing nine months ago when my wife and I bought a house in Santa Cruz. Just wanted to tell you your podcast has helped me learn the nuances in surfing, the industry, and the lifestyle. Thanks to your podcast, I recently picked up a custom 9.6 longboard by Michelle Junod. Feels great to support a local shaper and surf a product built for local waves. Keep up the great work and thank you. Uh, I think that's rad. I've gotten a couple of those emails from people who actually have purchased surfboards from shapers that we've discussed on the show and interviewed on the show. And I encourage people to do that. I think that's rad. And, um, well, a couple of things I'm stoked for the guy. Yeah. And I'm stoked. What was his name? Jeff Swisher, Jeff Swisher. I'm stoked that he got a board from Michelle. Michelle's a dear friend of mine. Is and he? A, yeah. And a great surfer. Have and, you gotten and, boards from him? And a really great shaper. No, I've never ordered boards from him, but he's been a client. He's been at the um, Sacred Craft and at the boardroom shows and he's competed in some of the shaping events. And um, but he's he's a he catches a ton of waves just like we all do. I, I'm not I'm not putting myself out of that mix. Is he Brazilian? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, uh, apparently he's got some French pedigree. Seems like it. Michel Junod. He's a cool guy. And so I'm stoked for Jeff Swisher. Uh, Swisher and um, it's good that he's picking up on some of the cultural nuance from from you and from the show. So yeah. That's cool. Yeah, really cool. Uh, one other email came in uh, just the other day from a listener named Don Crane. And he said, I'm a Marine that is currently stationed in 29 Palms, California. And after 13 years in, I've been deployed to all parts of the world. I took up surfing at a young age in New Jersey, my home state, and fell in love with the surf culture of Okinawa, my first duty station, and finally made roots here in Southern California in 2006. I met my wife in Carlsbad when I was stationed at Camp Pendleton, and this is where I now own my home. My wife and I have lived on the coast for the past seven years, and I now find myself commuting to the desert or commuting from the desert on the weekends. Out of love of my wife, I spend most of our time off with her and not in the water, but I found your show on Reddit of all places. I tried the first episode on one of my three hour treks to work and now I'm hooked. Keeps me in the loop for one, I don't feel as homesick and I keep that love and stoke throughout the week. I only wish you could make episodes faster as I consume four episodes on the drive to and from work alone. Keep up the great work and I look forward to future shows. And what was his name? His name's Don Crane. Don Crane. Well, right on, Don. Thanks for listening. We're stoked to have you as a listener. We appreciate your loyal listenership. 
I would suggest to you, David Lee Scales, uh -oh. this might be a case where you boil down that email to something a little bit more digestible. Oh, <laughs> this <laughs> that was too much example. to hear from. Well, I just, I, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on being able to edit that email down to a thing where, hey, Don listens to the show on his way to work. He wants to do more of them. You know, I think you could have boiled that down. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, food for thought. It was <laughs> boiled down, first of all. Oh, was it? That's I the thought, boiled down here's, version. Here's the thing. There's a number of interesting points. He's a Marine. He spent a lot of time around the world. You're boiling it great right now. Keep his, going. His love for his wife keeps him out of the water. Done. Bullet Found point. the show on Reddit, which was something I didn't know. There's four great bullet points. Yeah, but that's all. Yeah, but you just boil it down. All right. I like it. All right. That's Fair enough. Um, so anyways... I'm psyched that Don's listening. I appreciate the Marine detail. I mean, those are all just kind of details that I didn't envision in a listener. One thing though that he mentions is he would like to see more frequent episodes. You and I are doing them every other week. What do you think about that? Is there any, in the past you've done more frequent shows? Yeah. What's I used the to feasibility of that? Well, it needs to be done. The feasibility of it is yet to be determined. You okay. know, the Unfortunately, David and I live like two hours away from each other. So we meet in the middle and it's a bit of a mission, you know? Um, yeah. But you do think there's a necessity for it? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I think that for this show to get any traction, we need to do it every week. Okay. And that's the other thing that people say. Is and it I needs think to there's technology. I think there's good technology out mm. there. I know you, and I agree with you, sitting face to face is much better than, yeah. but, if, but if we do a FaceTime thing, you know, where we're actually looking at each other, maybe that'll help. Well, we tried that. Yeah, didn't, didn't work. <laughs> didn't quite work. Well, if you think it's it's necessary or that they're, uh, I don't know, the listenership warrants it, we'll figure out a way to do it. Well, I mean, it'll look, take time, at the end of, of the day, you and I aren't getting paid. Right. And we're driving and we're producing. And by the way, to produce the show, it's a good hour and a half each just to kind of prepare for the oh, show. Oh, yeah. And so we're putting in a ton of time and we're not getting a lot of ROI on our time. And you and I have children to feed and, and you know, we've got lives to. And so that's where there's yeah, yeah, some yeah. problems. But I do feel like um, we should we should make a call for donations is what we should do. You think so? Well, I don't think I don't that's know. the way Maybe to do that's it. kind of rude. I don't know if it's rude. I just don't think that's the best way to do it. I think yeah. sponsorship is the best way to do it. Well, that would be nice. Yeah. Too, so but. we'll figure it out. And it, it'll take time and it has taken time. But um I'm in it for the long haul, dude, till the bitter end. You know what? In 2015 will be the 10-year anniversary of me doing Surf Talk Radio. The very really? first one I did was in 2005. Uh, the very first one that was on terrestrial radio? No. The, we did internet radio. Before there right. was terrestrial or even podcasts. Oh, the term didn't podcast didn't even exist. Right. In 2005, we did internet radio. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Which was basically, but we did it live. We did live internet radio. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, we maybe had 20 listeners or whatever. Right. Like, not a whole lot of people knew about it. And that right. was at Surfer Magazine. Right, right. Crazy, but We had dude. incredible, like, I think we must have purchased $30,000 worth of equipment. And we Yikes. set up this elaborate thing. And then, um, you know, within three years, you're, all you needed was a microphone and a laptop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we had, like, phone switchers. We had people calling. We had lines lit up. Okay, line two. You know, we would get callers and... Sometimes it's good not to be an early adopter of that type of yeah, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, man, let's get into the show. The Hurley Lowers Pro is taking place, right? Yesterday was day one of the women's, the Swatch. Yeah. And currently, I mean, what's today? Today's Tuesday, September 10th. And the men are on hold until about two hours from now. They're going to try to get round one underway. Um, 
you want to talk about that event or do you have other show topics you want to no, lead no, into? No, no, no. I can go into the Hurley Pro. Um, the, the one thing that, that sneaks out at me is the, the really solid swell that's on tap for next Tuesday mm-hmm. and probably Monday. Okay. Maybe even early signs of it Sunday. So Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, what's the last day of the waiting period? Do you know? Is it Wednesday, a week from today? I don't think so. I think it's the 19th. Okay. I think it's Friday of next week. Okay, so they're going to have great surf. Or the 20th. Surf. Yeah, the 20th. It's the 20th? Okay, Saturday, good. Yeah. So they're going to have great surf um, basically you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, okay. I think, um, with the peak of it right around Tuesday of next week. And we're talking a solid southern hemisphere swell that's going to hit lowers really good so that's sort of the the overriding um storyline for me is that they're really on weight now they might get a couple of early rounds in and i hope they do and they'll probably blow through the girls um and then you know solid swell so i think i'm just sort of hunkering down and waiting for next week and okay. and, and the the uh, webcast that, that which, occurs then which served them well in tahiti where it was like it's so hard to wait for it to start but once it happened it was like wow i'm so glad we waited you know now that being said watching some of the women's yesterday you were going wow the waves are rippable you know like oh, yeah. it, it always looks so good there and so rippable and, and quite frankly the women were ripping yeah. i saw some really great surfing i was a little disappointed in um i thought malia manuel should have advanced through her heat i think she was up against paulina adu um, let me see. Yeah, Paulina did. And did That's you hear was. her after her heat? I did. She thought she should have advanced on that? It was a refreshing uh, sort of um, beach interview. Well, it was a beach interview with her. Was it Todd Klein that did it? I forget. But anyway, somebody did an interview with her right after her heat. And she was basically going, hey, I was laying it on rail. She wasn't. I thought I should have advanced. Yeah, it might have been Strider now that I it think about Strider. it. It was Strider. It was, yeah. So, yeah, basically... Malia called the judges out essentially and, yes. and she seemed very disappointed and yeah. she didn't hold it back at all. No. And she said, look, the judges, when you're watching the men surfing, the judges are asking for vertical like approach top to bottom and laying it on the rail. That's exactly what I was doing out there expecting to win. And I watched the, the uh, video playback from whoever her team is that filmed it for her. She goes, I came into the beach and I watched the video footage and I still think that I should have won. Pauline was draw- going out in front of the wave and then carving back into it, surfing horizontally. I was surfing vertically with rail and I think that I should have won basically. And I'm really disappointed and I don't know how to really... Uh, uh, adjust my game moving forward if that's yeah. what the judges they say they want this but they scored that it was so, really cool and what yeah. was what was so good about it was that it was the anti Bobby Martinez she did it with a sense of class and tact and um, there wasn't too much uh, there, there wasn't any venom in it so she was upset and she let her point be known she was very clear about it and I thought it was great and what was also great was the commentators I think it was Ross Williams and some others basically saying, hey, you know what? It's it's pros, professional sports. These people are in it to win it. Mm-hmm. This is their livelihood. And damn right, they're going to be passionate about it. And more power to them. Passionate and articulate. Yeah. You know, she got her point across. Um, I'm good for half of that equation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I really enjoyed the women's surfing yesterday uh, more than I expected to, actually. I would and, agree with that. And I, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it. I think it was because... Uh-oh. Of the waves. Sorry about that. Um, well, the waves for sure, but also, aside from the women surfing well, 
the competitiveness. Like there were just some great heats. Coco Ho looked really solid. You like to see competition, you Stephanie know. Stephanie Gilmore, they all looked solid. But there they? was heats where it was back and forth. It's right. like somebody needs a score, they get it. The next person needs a score, they get it. And you kind of see uh, their surfing get elevated because of that. Whereas in the past, it was like there was three or four girls who surfed really well. And they would blow doors on the other girls. So the other girls were just kind of like, they'd fall apart. Yeah. Carissa comes in post an eight and the next girl then falls apart and can't really do her thing. Yeah. I thought a lot of the lesser known names were surfing incredibly well. Dimity Stoyle is killing it. Yeah. Joanne DeFay from France, Nikki Van Dyke. Like I've known their names, but I couldn't pick them out of a lineup, but they're out there surfing fantastically. Yeah, and we have that give and take that you talked about, which is so great. And it, it sort of reminds me a little bit about, uh, of, and I hate to use a tennis uh, metaphor, but <clears throat> you know, in women's tennis, you get these really great long volleys. Right. And it used to be in men's tennis, like there was just one guy like Federer, basically it was Federer or even Sampras, who would just serve aces, and you wouldn't get the really fun long volleys. Right. And you could equate that to, say, Gabe going out and just blowing doors and doing aerials and getting nines and tens, and the other guy's getting fives and sixes, and you're kind of going, well, it's not competitive. It's, yeah. you know. Well, uh, I would say one of my favorite surfers of the women's tour that is a rookie this year is Alessa Quizan. Have you paid attention to her at all or seen her surfing? Uh, I, I know the name and I've seen her surf, but I couldn't pick her out of a line. I couldn't pick her apart from another girl, you know? Yeah. Goofy foot Hawaiian girl. I think she's on Billabong and she actually lost yesterday, but she just surfs really, really well. She kind of reminds me of Freddie P. She rides slightly bigger boards, does more drawn out lines, but, um, just really a great surfer. And I was sad to see her lose. I think Bianca Bootendog has kind of the same approach, which I really like seeing as well. Like these kind of power based, technically really sound off the bottom, off the top goofy footers. Um, and then Alessa in her post heat interview again, was just smart, articulate, just a joy and a pleasure to see. So, um, just a little shout out for Alessa and just somebody, I guess, to keep our eye on, even though her results really don't reflect it. I think she's an incredible surfer and, you know, nice to have on tour. How'd you, how'd you feel about Sean Thompson in the booth? I thought Sean did a great job. Sean's of extremely articulate, one of the most articulate ambassadors of the sport. He's a, um, you know, I didn't see too much of him. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much was he in there. Uh, he was at the... I maybe watched three or four heats. He was doing the same role that Aki did in Tahiti. Okay. So he's at the booth. He's at the table, basically, with two other talking heads. And they toss to him maybe once a heat. Yeah. Uh, but he mentioned the 100 Wave Challenge. I did see that. Yeah, I actually Todd, recorded that when oh, you he did. brought that up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Todd uh, called him out and asked him about it. But I agree with you. Sean's super articulate. He's also very insightful. Like, he kind of picks apart and points out things that just aren't obvious and right on the surface, which I feel like everybody else is kind of doing a lot of the time. Well, Sean's great in the booth and, and this sort of brings up the next thing, which is that stab magazine did, you know, basically like a mid year recap of the, of the broadcasters and they rated them from 10 to one. Right. And, um, and they had Aki in there at like three, right? That was shocking. Uh, Aki was four. Yeah. And they basically were saying, Hey, if you don't love Aki, you're blowing it. You know, he's just such like this gregarious, fun loving guy in the booth. And, and even, you know, his stumbles are charming. And the fact that he's, you know, like he's just charming. And you and I agree that we think Aki's good, but not in this structured format. He needs to be Aki and let him go. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but relative to Sean Thompson, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any comparison as far as professional, insightful, informative, um, and, you know, um, broadcasting. Aki would be good doing like a man on the street thing. Like give him a mic and put him down on the beach and let him interview fans. Yeah, post-production, already pre-edited yeah, stuff. Totally. Yeah, that, that, would be w- that would be great. Yeah. That way um, we could kind of eliminate some of the faux pas and really get some of his charm out there. Totally. Uh, so how did you feel about that stab, Stab's top 10 commenters list? I thought it was right on. I thought it was well-written. I thought it was good. And then you read the commentary from the, you know, the the masses that just love to rip into everything and anything, the haters out there. And they were just sort of who wrote this, this is lame, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the thing is if you let the lunatics run the asylum, you're going to get that. Well, I, one of the comments that I read down there in the comments section was somebody was like, wow, how much did the ASP pay for this? Which was, I thought an interesting, I didn't, it never dawned on me that the ASP would, higher stab to review their commentators you know because yeah. generally stab is not the most uh i don't know yeah don't it, it was, if anything it was a little soft for stab you would Sugar-coated. think stab would have gone after it but but even that it's like look it's so easy to be the mean uh critic yeah it's yeah. Just, it's like look again if you don't understand how hard it is to fill 12 hours of dead space with talking yeah it's 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 just you're clueless if you don't realize that they're doing as good as they can do and and it's gonna get better and it it is getting better and it is what it is you know what do you do you want like music videos or (laughs) well i thought stab did a great job with their list i don't necessarily agree with the way that they ordered it from the best to the worst i don't either but i thought their commentary was spot on i did too i thought it, it was good and it it was, and it was little, critical. There was some critical moments, but it, you know, was, but it was done pr- fairly. It, I completely agree. I pulled out a couple quotes just so that listeners can kind of get a feel. They put Pat Parnell at number 10. And one of the things they said about him that I thought was accurate was while he is brilliant at the craft of commentating, it often feels as though he's not at heart a soul surfer. Describing turns simply as cuts and barrels as covers exudes a stiffness that kind of denies intrinsic surfing familiarity. You know, and yeah. that's, that's an accurate statement about Pat. It is, and that type of uh, insight from the stab riders, whoever they were, is what you get with each and every one of those things. Like, the, I, I shook my head and went, yeah, yeah you know what, that's kind of right. And then I would read the next one. I go, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. And right. I probably couldn't have articulated it any better than that. Right. Well, the other one that I thought was particularly well put was Ronnie Blakey. They've placed at number three on the list. Well, he should be number one. Well, you and I, I think agree on that. I do. And for the record, they put Pete Mel as number one. Ross Williams is number two. And then Ronnie Blakey, number three, they said his mind is a library of surf facts. It's evident that he spent time analyzing and polishing his own opinions. And this creates the glue that blinds that binds whichever team he's calling with. Ron was a man who noticed that when... Uh, who noticed and then broke down the fact that Nathan Hedge claimed three times instead of paddling straight back out to claim priority, which was insightful and on point. I don't know if you remember that heat in Tahiti. Nathan Hedge got a 10-point barrel, spit out of it, and then claimed the wave literally three times as he's like going into the channel. His competitor was on the very next wave, got blown out, and then beat Nathan on the paddle out. Because Nathan had claimed it three times, he then lost the paddle out and lost priority for the next set. 
I think he ultimately won that heat, but it was a failure on his part as a competitor. And that was something, as Stab said, that Ronnie Blakey noticed. And so the guys who were calling the heat never commented on it. But when they tossed it to the booth where the three talking heads were, Ronnie immediately called that out. You know, and it's like that's very insightful and not something that his producers are whispering in his ear. That was Ronnie's call. Yeah, so. and and, you're, and that's a great point. And and you know, you he should be the number one guy. Yeah, he's 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 their Bob Costas or whoever you want to say. You know, he Ronnie Blakey in my opinion. And and they nailed it too with Peter Mel and Ross Williams. Those guys are one, two, three. Mm-hmm. However you put them, whatever order, you know. I would say it's in my opinion, and it's really whatever. It doesn't really matter what I think, but but in my opinion, it's Ronnie, Peter, and Ross. But I think with Peter Mel and Ross Williams, you can flip flop them. They're both professional and do a really great job. Yeah, I agree completely. All right, what next? Well, it's interesting, you know. Actually, thinking about that, you know, who would you want teamed up with Ronnie? With Blakey, I think that you want, oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess you learn by doing it, you know, but maybe it's Ross. Who's Pat Parnell with? Ross Williams? Ross. Yeah, so I think you need to lose Pat Parnell, put him in the booth. Yeah. And then get Ronnie and Ross together. Or Ronnie and Turpel, I could see, because Turpel's so kind of mild-mannered. Those guys both play that same role, though. Do they? They're both setup guys, and then they have the two yeah. experts, and so you can't really put... True. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I've just personally noticed Ross seems to get annoyed with Pat Parnell. If you notice, like Pat Parnell will miss call a turn or something, and it seems like Ross is getting a little bummed on him. That's just a personal assessment. I don't know. But um, I'd be curious to hear what Ross's thoughts are on Parnell, you know? How would it be a little throwdown in the booth, just like just get so salty on the guy that you just start smacking him around? Or? Well, Ross is <laughs> Ross is so legit, and he's got North Shore cred, and oh, Parnell's yeah. just this kind of Barney kooky dude, you know? Yeah. It seems like he's just kind of, I don't know, like, why'd you guys partner me up with this dude? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Pat Parnell. He, he does a good job, but he's definitely the odd man out of all of those guys. Yeah. He just seems like he's just as comfortable, you know, commentating on a metal militia, like, motocross high jump as he is <laughs> or, out at Chopu talking about good waves or volleyball you know yeah or something like so. he might be on NBC's Olympic coverage of like table tennis yeah and he'd be perfect there <laughs> yeah. all right what do you what do you got uh, next well interesting I, I don't know this is sort of underneath Disneyland but um, I noted that Liam Ferguson took on a new role as executive director general at um, the ISA, the International Surfing Association, taking the place of Bob Mignona, who had that position for a while. And Liam is a very established surf industry guy. He worked at Trans World Surf Magazine for years and years, and the, the whole Trans World portfolio of magazines. Liam was like sort of the executive publisher, I guess, if you will. So he's very connected with um, the industry at large. Right. And um, so he makes tons of sense to bring in with the ISA. But what's interesting to me is that he previously held the position of like integrated digital sales with the ASP. So he was a new hire, a Paul Speaker hire, and now he's gone. Mm-hmm. So there's big question marks in my brain, like what happened there? And I don't have the answers, but that's why that story, and I sent it to you that I thought it was interesting, was that um, maybe sales aren't going so good, and they're like, 
somebody came in and had this clear house and Liam got the boot or I don't know what happened, but you, I just asked myself, God, that seemed like a pretty good gig. You've got this up and rising new sport, new, you know, ASP and all these new media rights and all this opportunity to do great sales work. And he finds himself at the ISA as the director general. Right. I only wish the best for Liam. He's a good friend of mine. And, um, I just, again, it made me wonder, Hmm, you know, there's, there's some, Weird stuff on the internet. I think it might be through Stab or somebody, but they're basically saying, "Hey, look, the we can see who's watching the ASP webcast, and yeah. it's not as great as no. what you might think." Right? It might be Coastal Watch that's yeah, doing I that. I think it ben, was. I like, saw the whole number statistics breakdown. Now I don't know how accurate that is, you know. And um, I know one thing that it seems to me like more people are watching the ASP than ever before. Why does it seem that way? Um, just based on the people I interact with and the, the fact that like my wife who's not necessarily engaged in surfing watches it and asks about it. You yeah. Know, when's the next one on? Um, and maybe it's just, I'm so involved in the sport, you know, like I'm in a ton, bunch of fantasy leagues and I follow it and yeah. I'm involved and you and I talk about it all the time. And maybe I'm, you know, I have, I have, you know, goggles on. But it just seems, and again, I don't have anything yeah. to back it up on. Well, I mean, you can log on to YouTube, watch the stream, and it shows you how many people are viewing it. So right under the Well, I player. think what, and help, correct me if I'm wrong, but that might be misleading because that does that then, how do you tap into the people that are watching it later on or watching the heat analyzer? That's true. I and guess watching you, all the like ancillary ways to... to to get that in, that media into your you know scope. Yeah, that that's just showing the live stream, of right. course. But yeah, I don't know how you would quantify. I mean, they have ways of quantifying it, but I don't know if the public has a way of calculating those numbers. I'll try to dig up that article that I came across though, which was an analysis of all the the, the events up until now through Tahiti, um, and it showed all the numbers for like each round of each event and where the spikes were Kelly's heats of course go way up, but it was like Tahiti was the most viewed event. And I think it was like 50,000 people kind of on average were watching or something like that. Yeah. Which was lower than of course what the ASP their goal is, you know, they were projecting millions of viewers and maybe not in the first year out, but you know, when you're projecting sales or numbers and then trying to accumulate uh, advertisers, based on those numbers and you're not hitting your projections, you know, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Well, so more will be revealed. Yeah. Um, do you have another topic or? Yeah, I'm trying to find them here. Um, let's see. Next on my thing is Malibu this weekend. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that massive, well not massive, but it was a very solid, um, Southern hemisphere swell hit Malibu and it lined up perfectly with the surf aid cup which is this event to raise money for Surf Aid International, which does this great humanitarian work. Um, they do the mother-child initiative and some other things that I won't get into at this point. But the Surf Aid Cup raised $127,000 this weekend wow. at Malibu. And the idea was you get a team together and your team raises funds through the month. And then the team that raises the most funds then gets to pick a pro surfer to join their team, thereby giving you a leg up against the other teams. So if you raise the most money, you get the first draft pick. The team that raises the second most money gets to pick the second pro surfer and so forth and so on. And our team, um, we raised the most money, the team I was on. It was do uh, Dr. Dave Jenkins, who's sort of the figurehead of SurfAid. Uh, a good friend of mine, Dan Trunk, 
uh, Steve Hilton, and myself, we raised a bunch of money. Mostly those guys. I didn't raise very much money at all, quite frankly. But we put, we chose Lisa Anderson as our and Lisa surfs great, man. She surfed really well, and um, it was a lot of fun. And I got to surf perfect Malibu. I got to catch two waves on my shortboard, perfect, you know, four to five foot Malibu, and just it was a real blast. And all for again a really great cause. Did you rip? I in my mind I was ripping. I haven't <laughs> seen the video, and we know video does not lie. And it could very well be that I was posing more than ripping because I've been known to pose. But I thought it was ripping. Is somebody? I was pretty stoked. Is somebody putting together the video footage? I want to see it. I've been scouring the internet looking oh, really? for video footage of myself Google on my, alerts on my for- shortboard. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, you know, I've got tons of pictures of me on my longboard in the longboard division, but I haven't, I want to, I want to see the shortboarding more than anything. It'd be fun if you and I could break it down. Oh, you know what I mean? I'll, you, dude, I'll gladly break yeah, it down. You'll, you'll just be like, dude, you are an old salty dude in Birdwells. <laughs> you know, okay. Uh, in all truth. Yeah. How did you feel like on those two waves that you got? Were you surfing up to par for yourself? Yeah, yeah for me, okay. I felt solid. I felt like I was doing what I do, and what I do isn't all that vertical and isn't all that, you know, sure, progressive. Yeah, but it's know? not like you feel like, oh, I bogged on that. You felt good. No, no, I was surfing solid. So when opinion. you see the footage, this will be a good litmus test right. for what it, you're actually exactly. Okay. I'm, I'm a little cringe. I'm going to cringe when they when I look at my cutbacks. All right. I'm well, sure you they're... just put it all on the line because what you should have said to my answer is like, no, I sucked. I was bogging. Well, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, uh, I like I, it. Honestly, no. I thought I was surfing well. So <laughs> okay, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Help me find it. Help me find it, and you can rip me apart. It'll be good. Well, did they have a dedicated? filmer or is I it, don't know there was I, cameras though everywhere. there's tons of cameras there's got to be guys videoing right. you know what I mean it's just yeah. a matter of finding the first heat of the surfade cup on Saturday at one o'clock right. you know that's and, and again you'll be able to see Lisa Anderson and there were some other great pros in in my in that hour long of surfing mm. um, and uh, I'm trying to I can't I know the next heat had like Sarlo and Strider and Brad Gerlock those guys were all or Strider might have been in my, my anyway. Who won? Uh, the Team Firewire won okay. with Taylor Jensen as their pro, and he's okay. a world champion longboarder, yeah. and he's a great shortboard. He's just an incredible surfer. Yeah. 
he actually won the nose riding event that they had on Friday, okay. which sort of puts to rest because he's sort of known as one of those progressive longboarders, rides a tri-fin, right. really rips, you know, and then gets nose rides when he needs to. And that's sort of poo-pooed by the traditional sort of Joel Tudor camp, which is like tri-fins aren't allowed, leashes aren't allowed. And so he, he went out in the in the long in the nose riding event which is all traditional like they all they do is time you on the nose hmm. and he won the entire thing wow probably i don't know what board he was on but point is is that he can do both yeah for sure cool dude yeah awesome i caught some good waves during that swell too there was um it's really big in orange county and like kind of a straight not 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 a fully straight direction to it but it was walled through all huntington and newport and the tides were really high um but there's this novelty wave near by that. What's it called? Can't say. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, what my spot's called too. Can't say. But strangely, it wasn't that crowded. I've surfed it when I was a kid. Is it in Laguna? It's not. <laughs> I'll say that it's not in Laguna, but that's a good a Spanish name. It's a good guess. <laughs> but I've surfed the spot a lot when I was a kid and I haven't really surfed it a lot since then because it really doesn't get good that often. And it was super fun, head high, and it's a long wave. It's almost like a point break, but I just, I surfed it three nights in a row in the evening, had a blast. It was very nostalgic because again, I haven't surfed it since I was young. The water's warm. I felt like I was on vacation somewhere tropical, you know, it was just radical. I had a wow. blast this week. Like honestly had more fun surfing those three days than I remember having for a long time. Yeah. Like wasn't huge and challenging, but just super fun rippable good surfing kind of experience you know sounds like you maybe partook of some recreational edible thc <laughs> does that on. lead into a next story no or something? I'm just saying, sounds like you were high <laughs> i was not dude i'm high on life i man. am too brother i know amen to that um want to do a little kelly 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 segment sure all right <laughs> kelly 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 <laughs> kelly coming in hot uh not basically uh vice the media outlet, you yeah. know, Vice, Sex, yeah. Drugs, and Rock and Roll, yeah. did a little interview with Kelly. You're kidding. No. They, wow. Where did you find that? Uh, Is you, that in the mainstream? Has that made yeah. its way on the fan? They, I Facebook? mean, they were putting it on Facebook or cool. something. But Vice has kind of like a Vice sports wing mm. where they interview MMA fighters, whatever. Right. And so they did this interview with Kelly Slater in a bar in L.A., just one camera chatting him up. Oh, that was probably good. It was radical, really candid Kelly interview. Yeah. And um, the title of it was like Kelly Slater on being a sellout and an unapologetic Andy Irons. The sellout stuff was in reference to him working on Baywatch back in the day. And Kelly talks about regretting that time in his life because it really did kind of, I don't know, um, it was kind of a sellout. Like he wanted the money, you know, and it kind of painted surfing in a bad light. And then talked a lot about his relationship with Andy Irons and how he actually felt vitriol towards Andy and he wanted to punch Andy in the face, you know, and he's never felt that with anybody else. So Andy kind of got the better of his emotions. So I really like that interview. I'll post it, of course, on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds like a must-see moment. Yeah, it was only five minutes long, but it's just impactful five minutes. Yeah. No waste. Um, another thing was Kelly on Instagram officially announced the launch of Outer Known, which is his brand that you and I have talked about a little bit on the show previously. 
Uh, did you see that? or? Like, well, you know I about? have his mission statement right here. Okay. And if I may, I'm going to read it. Yeah, from his Instagram? Yeah, it says, This is a clean slate. The name Outer Known references the furthest reaches of our knowledge today. As designers, it challenges us to build better, more sustainable products. As producers, it asks us to lift the lid on our supply chain, bringing the consumer along on our journey to transparency. As storytellers, it enables perpetual evolution of our brand vision. As athletes and performers, it pushes us to formerly impossible levels. And as global citizens, it offers the opportunity to observe this multicultural world we live in and bring together seemingly unconnected people and ideas for the purpose of discovering the next outer known. This was an opportunity where you could have edited this down, Scott. <laughs> hey, this is Kelly Slater's mission statement. Far be it for me to edit. I actually thought it read pretty good. It was pretty succinct. And I'm just messing with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I and my read was really high quality radio professional. professional. Of course it was, dude. <laughs> I do Velvety. this for a living, you know. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, so I like it. I'm behind Kelly, of course, as always, and I'm interested to see. I guess the clothing line is going to be released in the fall of 2015. About I'll be honest, I was I'm ready to buy some right now. Are you? Really? I swear to God, when I when it came out, I'm like, cool. Where do, where's the store? I'm gonna be I'm gonna buy some outer known. That's, That's funny. I'm a big fan of because because and you know you and I have said it ad nauseum. The, the power of Kelly Slater and the reason that we, like he I'm one of his biggest fans isn't what he does in the water. Mm-hmm. It's the type of person he is, you know, and the sport needs that. And yeah. he's an incredible human being. Sure, we all have our faults. I'm not calling him a saint. But the fact that he represents our sport, I mean, we couldn't ask for a better ambassador than Kelly Slater. And I'm, I'm going to support that. Yeah, I was somewhat inclined also to make a purchase. But more importantly, I'm like, do you think they want to sponsor a podcast? I'm down with that too. You know what I mean? But I, I, you know, it's one of those things where if he would have sent a Kickstarter, I would have thrown 500 bucks his way. Like, cool. You know, let's do this. You yeah. know, like I'll just buy a product just to support, just to get the money flowing. in. I'm not, you know, I'm not even, I don't even know what it looks like. Yeah. I hear you. Well, another thing that Kelly's involved with is this uh, health beverage called perps. Have you seen that? I've seen it. You know, he, he did some sort of sly branding with that during the Tahiti event. Not you know? so sly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when he threw the hat on and he goes, so what's this perps? I think yeah, Peter exactly. Mel kind of, ch- but I'd love to try it again. Anything that Kelly's involved with, you know, I'm going to check it out and I'm going to, I'm a, I'm just a big fan. Yeah. I mean, he's anti energy drink, but good perps is like all natural, you know, sustained energy, blah, blah, blah. Um, so my question for you with Kelly is, he is kind of a philanthropist in sort of sorts and in in a way that he can benefit by profit and in other ways he's just been a philanthropist you know uh an altruistic i guess philanthropist but my question for you is 50 years from now when we reflect back on kelly will his legacy be his 11 plus world titles or will it be the philanthropy work that he's done. You know what I mean? Because currently when you look back at other world title holders, that's really all they've done. Well, I don't know. I, I question the word philanthropist. I don't know if Kelly's a philanthropist. Um, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, yeah. he's, he, he, what he, what he's done is he's raised our consciousness a little bit. And so in that way, he's been quite giving. Um, but in the true sense of the word where he like gives money to, I sure. know, I, and I'm sure he gives, I don't know, you know, but I don't see him as like, you know, part of the Hilton Foundation or anything, like, you know, where they're actually giving huge chunks of money to cancer research or whatever it may be. You know, I agree. So that's a mis misstated uh, yeah, assessment. I, but I think that the neat thing with Kelly is that he's done a great job of sort of 
putting it all under one umbrella. So when we think back 50 years about Kelly, is my assumption that we will not only be talking about his 11 or 12 world titles, but we'll also be talking about the consciousness that he raised, you know, with all of us about these things. He's, he has allowed us to, to think a little deeper about th- certain things, right. you know, because of his greatness in the sport, you know, and then for him to come out and be sort of just well thought out, well read, um, you know, he's a guy that thinks a little deeper than your average bear. And, and I think that's part of his legacy that we'll remember. I think it is too. And that's kind of the point that I wanted to bring up. I think his world titles seem all important now, but I really think that they will pale in comparison, uh, when we look back at his legacy and Lance Armstrong, unfortunately has sullied his own name, but it's kind of like his live strong stuff probably has a lot greater reach than his seven Tour de France titles prior to being stripped. You know what I mean? <laughs> he doesn't have seven Tour de France titles. Doesn't he? Or no. didn't he? Well, yeah, maybe at one point they're they're sullied, though. Well, that's what I said. Yeah. That's how I started the whole thing. Not, a, yeah. not an apt analogy for Kelly, but no. three or four don't years ever, ago. Don't ever bring up Lance Armstrong and Kelly Slater in the same Three years ago, that would have been a perfect analogy. Dude. I'm just past my time. <laughs> well, um, I used to uh, throw Tiger Woods and Kelly together for a while until the whole Tiger Woods thing went down. Yeah, well, my other question for you with Kelly is all this kind of business stuff that he's involved with, how will this affect his world title race? It, will these things create a distraction or have they already? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. I, and I don't think we'll really know that until Kelly looks back 20 years from now and talks about it you know really Um, well I think is he already looking at it as an exit strategy you know well for sure I you know you got to think that he's probably going look if I'm going to do this outer known thing I need to dive in I don't have time to to do both yeah I could do that when I was with Quicksilver because they ran the thing they ran the clothing for me and I just kind of showed up but if this is me if I'm putting myself on here this thing has to succeed or I'm going to look you know not so good right so yeah I do sort of see this as this has got to be his last year if he's and you know somebody else I think PT or somebody was talking to me about this and the beauty of this for Kelly is that he can retire. He'll get wild cards at any event oh, he yeah, wants to yeah, be yeah. in. So he can then throw his outer known uh, brand out to the masses through all the wild card events that he's in. He doesn't have the drama of, oh, will he compete for a 12th or 13th world title? Right. So he'll sort of get the best of both worlds, a win-win for him coming up here. So I do think that he's going to officially retire from the tour this year based on you know the fact that all this outer known stuff is coming out is that an official opinion that's an official opinion yeah you i have he's no gonna retire this year i do okay i i, I hope you're wrong i hope not yeah i know I hope but here's again the good news is that he's still gonna surf and pipe every year I get it. yeah he's still gonna surf at show i mean he's still gonna surf in all these great events i'll yeah. probably do six events what events do you think he'll skip he'll probably skip portugal france i guess it depends on the people that Kieran group or whatever when they say hey we need we need you to brand this in france so you yeah, gotta maybe. do the france event you know? <laughs> totally yeah. and before he knows that he's doing more events than he, than he was when he was on tour i'll take the opposite approach as you and i'm gonna say that gabe wins the world title this year kelly comes back reinvigorated oh, and I tries to take gabe. it back i hate gabe i don't want <laughs> not personally hate gabe i don't want gabe to kick kelly off the throne i want kelly to go scott yeah. the blue-eyed devil bass dude <laughs> no hey again I'm um, sort of in jest. I don't hate I know, Gabe. I know, I know. But he's the guy I root against because he's the guy that's taking 
down the guy I root for. Who you're rooting for to retire this year. It's like the Oakland Raiders. I hate the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I hate the Denver Broncos. I hate the Kansas City Chiefs. You know why? Because they're in the AFC West, and I'm a San Diego Charger fan through and through since the beginning. All right. You've made your point. I just want – I know you know my point, but apparently <laughs> others out there in Radio Land are just like, you're a racist. Brazil isn't a race, by the way. All right. It's a nation. All right. Uh, do you have another story or another topic to get to? Yes, After I do. our Kelly, Kelly, Kelly talk. I do, do, do. Let's see. Um, Damien Hobgood. Oh, yeah. My friend Damo has joined the – Dude, you're name dropper. 100 today. Wave Challenge. So Damien's going to be there catching 100 waves next to Sean Thompson and the rest of – the surfers that are involved in this uh, fundraising event for a great cause, boys to men mentoring. I only have 10 days left to raise money. So I'm, I need a big push by the listeners. Go to 100wave.org, search for my name and donate to the cause. And for all the people that have donated and there have been a bunch, I really, really appreciate it. Um, thanks for uh, your support of this great cause. We're trying to keep kids out of jail. We're trying to keep kids from making the wrong choice. Uh, these kids are one bad choice away from taking drugs, being in a gang. They don't have fathers that are guiding them and giving them a rudder and a vision of what it means to be a man, a good man, a man you know filled with integrity and honesty and truth. And sincerity and compassion and so forth and so on and certainly our hope that we can and we have this this program's turned kids around it's right. it's changing lives and it's powerful that's awesome and demos on board yeah that's awesome um so everybody everybody's on the beach on one day trying to catch 100 waves in that given time period or whatever right that's it we have 12 hours to catch 100 waves and we have people sponsoring us and that's what i'm asking for people to sponsor me a buck a wave, 50 cents a wave, a, a flat fee, whatever it is. Um, it's all good. Awesome. 100wave.org. So people are going to be burning people left and right. It's going to be an ugly burn-a-thon. <laughs> Sweet. Which beach is it at? Your beach. Your beach. <laughs> no. The, the one you're to the secret spot. You're, oh, no, you're not allowed to announce it? No, no. It? It's down at Mission Beach by the uh, roller coaster in San Diego. Big, long stretch of beach break. And there were going to be... 300 plus surfers down there all trying to catch 100 waves in 12 hours and sean thompson damien hobgood myself and others it's gonna be good wow a-listers i'm a i'm Scott a c-lister sean thompson I'm just kind of wedging myself in there with those guys awesome yeah um next story um i'm sort of out of stories don't you have some stuff uh, yeah i've got one for you um a there was an attempt to ban sups in hawaii did you oh, see I all that see controversy? All that. Yeah, I did follow was, all of that. It was thwarted, and it's not going to happen, but uh, it was attempted. What are your thoughts on that? Do you have any details for how the attempt was – or how the ban was attempted? Uh, I know that there was a, a lawyer um, that was disappointed in all the stand-up guys. or For some reason, he was upset with stand-up paddlers right. catching too many waves. Guess what? They do. Stand-up paddlers catch too many waves. I was one of the first ones. I know for a fact. Right. We catch way too many waves. That's what we do. Yeah. And so the guy was upset. He, and he, like, I, he went to the state, state parks and rec or whatever and tried to you know, do the formal process of creating some sort of segregation. And, um, and then immediately there was a ton of backlash. And immediately the, the true, true Hawaiian um, sort of faction stepped in because a lot of those guys do stand up. And they're like, no, bro, that ain't cool because the guy that – set this all in motion was a Howley lawyer. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And um, that didn't go over good with the true Hawaiian guys that do stand up. And they, they immediately sort of framed it like, you can't take our ocean from us. You know, you took our land already. You can't take our ocean. Um, and that works, especially in Hawaii, that works. And, but overall, from a global 30,000 foot level, feet level, is it foot? Feet, 30,000 feet level. I, um, I'm against any legislation in the water. I'm against any government entity telling us when and where we can go do what we love to do. And if it's a, if it's a case where there's some jerks on stand-up paddle boards or jerks on short 5'9 tri-fins catching too many waves, then it's up to you to move on to a different spot or find a way to enjoy yourself in the ocean other than getting into a, a hassle with somebody. And you know what? There's going to be selfish people out in the water. I've certainly been one before. Um, unfortunately, you know, I'm, I may be one again, you know, but um, I'm trying to, to, to have a little bit more aloha. I, lear- I heard a great quote today. Let me see if I can butcher it. It was something along the lines of, you know, life's purpose is to find your gift and then life's mission is after you find your gift is to give it away. And, you know, you could argue that David and Scott's gift is surfing. And now we give it away, which means, you know what, give a wave, you know, let somebody else have a wave once in a while. And you'll be surprised how good it makes you feel when you give of yourself. I think this extends to way beyond stand up paddle, like in Huntington beach where I'm from during the summer, it gets crowded and they blackball it no surfing allowed. And it's like, well, I've been surfing here the other nine months out of the year when it's cold and not perfect. And now the waves are fun and it's warm and you want to kick me out. And the same thing in Newport beach, certain jetties, certain times of the year are banned to surfing. Only they only allow bodyboarding out there, basically the same thing. And it's like, I've never really fought it before, but when I look at it under this, this SUP thing, kind of makes me question the whole like how are you banning me from this beach you know I just went with the flow previously but I do feel segregated now I actually have more right to this than everybody else because I put in the hard hours and I'm not exactly convinced why it's okay that hardboard surfing is not allowed well obviously it's a safety issue is what they're going to tell you and they're right you know and you've got you know millions of people in the Southland coming to the beach in the summer and and your surfboard's going to hurt them and when that happens they're going to sue the city and so they stop it from happening. It's illegal. Well, well that same thing would apply to the SUPs. It's even I, more dangerous. I agree. You know? I agree. And are they not allowing, you know, I, I don't know. It's like, they're, why not? Hey, I've been cut by the paddle of a guy with an SUP. I've had my finger cut by a guy. The paddle? Yeah. Were you both paddling for the same wave? or? I was paddling out, and he was trying to catch a wave. And I was just on a shortboard, and he just sliced my finger. Did you say anything? or? Um, I don't think I did. I think I was just like that's lame and i went in and dealt with it crazy yeah but yeah. look surfing's dangerous yeah. you know what i mean if you don't like it don't go out yeah. it's not you know we're not going to like chuck e cheese here you know you're going to get hurt surfing eventually yeah. it's an action sport right yeah. extreme um there's a lot of echo in this building i hope this sounds good yeah i don't think yeah i don't think the mics are picking it up too much um one final topic Taj Burrow and coach slash trainer Johnny Gannon are officially splitting ways. It's um, totally cool. Like Johnny Gannon, I guess, is having a kid. And so he just doesn't want to be on the road as much. They're still good friends. But to me, I don't need to unpack their personal relationship. It just brings up a greater issue or point, which is 
surf coaching. You know what I mean? On the professional level, the best surfers in the world have these trainers and coaches traveling with them year round. What are the benefits and disadvantages to that sort of a relationship, do you think? Well, the benefits are obvious. And I think Taj has done better with him. Do you? Do you? Yeah. That I, I don't have anything to base that. Like, I can't look at stats and go, look, since Johnny took over Taj, he's done that much better. But And Johnny's been there since 2008, I think. So it's a long time. I, I just think that, that it's important to have a coach. Now, the the downside to that is if you get the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And I'll, you know, and so you have to do your, your due diligence and you have to vet the right guy. But all professional athletes have coaches, you know, golfers have caddies who kind of, and more than anything, it's just guys like belly for Kelly who, who just kind of put you in the right space and know you well enough to know when to lay off or when to say something. And so it's more about, I don't even know if they're coaches so much as they're just really good friends that are going to, that you trust and that are going to, when you're astray, they're going to, they have the power to go, Hey man, you're blowing it right now. And you're going to respect that rather than blow them off. And, and sure. Then, you know, the other side of it, the fitness side of it with, I know Johnny was big into fitness and he's a big stud and all that. And that part's important important too. He was keeping Taj's diet on track was a main thing and keeping him from partying, which was a problem previously. (laughs) Well, you know, and so, I think, I think it's only a positive thing. You know, I, I, it's just a matter of getting the right guy. Yeah. And especially if you can get Billabong to pick up the bill for it along the way, you know, I, I tell you, I think generally what you don't want is you don't want a family member. You know, I think that might be a problem. And again, it's sort of a broad stroke I'm putting here painting here. I don't know that, you know, there can be a case like, like Gabe's uh, stepfather is a great, right. Right, you know, right. like at some point, I think Gabe's going to outgrow his stepfather. I think it, that's some, you know, how old is Gabe? 19 or something? So, I don't know. Yeah. You know, 19, like 20. he's perfect for Gabe now from say 16 or 15 to 20 or whatever it is. But you got to think at some point they're going to out, he's going to outgrow. They're going to outgrow each other. They're going to just, you know, move on. And, and Gabe's going to have to find somebody else. I think, you know, well, uh, Chloe and Dino was faced with that decision at some point when he was 16 or 17 and he, they made a conscious decision. I think his dad was partially responsible for it. And he's like, look, let's bring on Mike Parsons. Who's a friend, a family friend and a professional, and he'll do the coaching and I'll be around to make sure that rental cars are taken care of and all that sort of thing. But in terms of feedback on technique, Snips is the guy. The irony there is that Dino's incredible at it. You know, like Dino would, <laughs> I would hire Dino for my kid. You know what right, I mean? Yeah, but, right. but you just can't have him for your own son. You know what I mean? Cause you know, you'll find out when, and if you guys, you know, have kids or whatever, um, you know, your kids don't listen to you quite as well as they do to, to somebody else. Yeah. And, and that's the case. Right. The, the, the devil's advocate argument with the coaching situation is just like, do you want um, I don't know, a too polished style of surfing or too coached and coaxed style of surfing. Would you rather, you know, John John just figure out his own way and what the wave is presenting to him and, and I don't know, responding instinctively? Or do you want him, his coach's words running through his head as he's approaching well, a section? Does John John have a coach? No, I think he, he might need one. He's, well, okay, that's yeah, an argument. I think he might need one. I mean, some of his results this year, obviously early on you're like, let him go. He's John John. He's just insane, you know, and, and he is. Um, and let that free flowing, that sort of just like um, let his character shine. Yeah. And um, But, you know, you get to a place where it's like, hey, look, 
maybe you know don't do the biggest punt ever in the first round why don't you hold off on that one until later on and so um i don't know it could be argued that at some point you might want to get a coach for john john i don't know what do you think john john needs a coach i never thought about it and i my instinct is no i think he could improve his results but i don't think a coach is necessarily what he needs i get your point but i i'm not convinced of it um what'll be interesting to see is if Taj comes and wins a world title next year, you know what I mean? <laughs> or like how he does without Johnny by his side, basically. I, you know, I've said for a long time, I doubt Taj is ever going to win a world title. And I don't, I don't say that with any malice. I just don't sense that he has that killer instinct. He's a perennial fifth placer, Yeah. you know? Um, all right, man. Duke and Kook, must-see moment? Yeah, I do, I do. I have a must-see moment. My must-see moment is uh, Mark Sponsler is a forecaster. His website is stormsurf.com, and he does a video, a 30-minute video forecast every week. And and for a guy like me, who I, I'm sort of in the surf reporting world, I find it fascinating. I'm learning a lot from it. And he goes into in-depth uh, meteorology about what's happening with storms and the surf, uh, um, surface winds and really incredible just for the pacific or like um, the whole world or it's just for the pacific both the southern okay. hemisphere and the northern hemisphere but um you know he goes into great insight about how el nino forms why el nino forms if el nino is going to form what's happening with this hurricane what's happening with the steering winds of the jet stream it's incredible and so stormsurf.com if you go onto youtube and just google stormsurf.com his forecast will come up now it's not for the faint of heart it's it's highly scientific which I find fascinating. So if you want to learn something about meteorology, stormsurf.com, YouTube, uh, his forecasts, they're, they're really good. That's my must-see moment. Awesome. I have a must-see moment called Waves of Grain. Did you see this or did I send it Is to you? Is this about the um, harvest of the, the soybean harvest? No. no. The wheat harvest? No. Oh. Um, this is actually a woodworker slash artist who basically set up time-lapse of shaving a piece of wood down. So he's just taking photographs of a piece of wood and shaving a layer off and then taking a new photo and shaving another layer off. And the grain in the wood almost identically mirrors the way that waves travel through an ocean. Like if you had a bird's eye view of a swell approaching a coast and you see these waves coming, that's the way that this grain looks in this wood as it's moving through time-lapse being shaved from a thick point to a thin point. And it's just beautiful. It's just like this completely captivating two-minute uh, How many glasses of wine did you have while you were viewing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was 11 a.m., so I was half a bottle. Okay, good. All right, fair enough. <laughs> no, it's just a radical, not quite surfing-related, but very, um, I don't know. Sounds cool. Periphery. Yeah, it's beautiful. Really beautiful video. I'll Instagram it out to people. Follow at Surf Splendor. What about Duke and Kook? Yeah, um, let's see. My Kook. Uh, are the three judges at the Malibu Surfing Invitational oh, no. who totally ripped me off in the final? I, and I, <laughs> I know I'm going to be that guy right now. I'm going to be. I wonder if your competitors feel they were kooks too. I'm going to be that guy. I, I'll let it be known that I caught a bomb set wave from the top of the point all the way through to the end that you can ride the wave at Malibu first point, got nose rides, did some turns, rode the wave with a certain bit of panache and style, um, ran back up the point, paddled back out, caught another wave, kind of didn't do much, 
paddled back out, caught another set bomb, absolutely nose ride, did really well on it. I fell three quarters of the way through on that wave. So I had one wave all the way through, probably in my opinion, conservatively should have been a 7.5, could have been an 8.5. My next wave, I rode it even better than the first wave. However, I did fall three quarters of the way through. Conservatively should have been maybe a 4.5, could have been as high as a 5.5. Add up that score, you get about 13, right? My two-wave total score for the final heat was an 8.2. So I don't mind getting fourth place, but to get last place with a two-wave score of an 8.2, there was a mistake. And so the judges are my kook of the Uh, week. I'm not sure where to land on this thing, dude. So what do you think they gave the score? What was the first wave score? I didn't see that. All I saw was the two-wave total, and it was an 8.23. Can't you look at the judges? Sheet? I, I didn't. All, all I have to look at is the final score. I, I didn't. So maybe, I didn't even look at the. I just kind of went. Oh, whatever. Yeah, that's shocking. So maybe they scored the first wave a six five, and then that next score, because you fell, they gave you a two or something. I mean, whatever. My point is, is that it was it was wrong relative to the other scores. The other guys, yeah, yeah. the other guys, like first and second got you know sixteen point seven and fifteen point three, and they did. You know, yeah. a little bit better, better, than, better me. than me. Not, Dang. You want me to start an inquisition? <laughs> no. Get to the bottom of this thing? No, actually, I don't. I'm just, you know, there's, a, I, you know, I say that with a little bit of jest because I had a great time and it was, it's not about me. It's about surf aid and it's about having fun. And I caught so many great waves and it was just an incredible weekend. But I got to say, normally I wouldn't cry foul, but something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Bummer, man. I'm sorry to hear that. That's all right. It's your opportunity to. I've hero, won that too. event four or five times oh. so oh really it's not like i don't have first place trophies at home as door stops wow yeah okay well um <laughs> somebody's proud of themselves yes, i am proud as a peacock um, right now i'm blushing i'm so proud so my kook is uh as you referenced earlier kind of the comment section on stab magazine it's actually my duke a lot of times i really enjoy the comment section it's kind of my guilty pleasure but um Dude, it's gotten almost, I think it's jumped the shark a little bit. It's just purely hate-fueled a lot of the time. And and it's funny, which is why I actually read it. But I don't know, with the when they did that uh, top 10 ASP commentators uh, bit, I was kind of surprised to read a lot of the comments on there. Like, I thought Stab did a great job, and the comments on there were just, like, really mean and vitriolic. And it's like, you know what, dude? I disagree completely and it's not even funny anymore. And it's really just kind of it's just standard. Crude. It's standard internet hate sophomoric 15 to 19 to 20 year old males that just yeah. don't have a voice. And so that they get their chance to have a voice and they say things that are just ill and uninformed. And but for a while, for the last year or two, it had some of that, but it still had value and funny and all that. And now it's just kind of the point where it's just purely mean and angry and not that comical it's, it's so easy it's such the easy go-to to just be like yeah that's lame man you know and it's like really how many times do you do that before you might you know have some sort of education well for the listeners go on to stabmag.com click on any video or article and then just go straight to the comment section and you'll see exactly what i mean uh you'll probably have a laugh too um my duke is sterling spencer 
for ordering a pizza in a tube in 2008. Really? He already did yes. this? Yes. So, Chloe and Dino. That's your Duke Conamoco. That's my Duke. The guy Dude, who did ordered it a pizza. <laughs> from six years ago, Scott. Well, the reason why is... The reason why is Chloe Andino has a visa commercial out right now, which you talked to about a couple weeks ago, where he orders a pizza in the tube. I guess Visa's offering this new app where you could check out online on your phone, and uh, they partner with Pizza Hut for the commercial, and he drops into a tube in Chopu and pulls out his phone and basically orders a pizza, and then the pizza shows up on a wave runner or a jet ski as he's kicking out. and. A lot of hoopla, you know, tons of views on YouTube. Everybody's talking about it. But my Duke is Sterling Spencer because in a video dated 2008, he's getting barreled down in Mexico, has a phone, and is ordering a pizza in the in the audio right. commentary on it. So I'll post that video on surfsplendorpodcast.com. He was the first one to do it. Uh, my Duke Kanamoku is Wayne Rich, who's my buddy and... Um, and a great surfer and a great shaper. And he won his age division at the Malibu Surf Invitational, the MSA event. And so um, Wayne Rich is a guy that's beloved by many. And so Wayne is my Duke. Congratulations, Wayne Rich. Good job, buddy. Amazing shaper Yeah. as well. Yeah, I rode his board to sixth place. <laughs> with an eight, I thought you said with, fourth. No, sixth oh. with an 8.2. Yeah. Wow. All right, man. Good show, man. Good show. So uh, two weeks in a row, but the reason why is I'm going to be out of town next week, which was when we were supposed to record. That's why we're doing it this week. So two weeks from now, we'll reconvene. Are you going to donate to my 100 Wave Challenge cause? Yes. Nice. I will. That's good. I'm good. You like my five word. bucks or? Not per wave? <laughs> dollar a wave. Uh, what? Dollar a wave? Yeah, dollar wave. I'm cool. Oh, good. Hundred bucks. Um, Thank you, David. Call me out on it, dude. I will right now. Next, no, next show. If I don't, what? Wait. I'm sending you the link. You're gonna do it today. I'm doing it. I'm just saying. You have my word, and you can call me out if oh. I don't. That's why the, wouldn't you? Can you? Hold me accountable. I guess the question is, why wouldn't you? I'd prefer to donate to Sean Thompson's cause oh <laughs> or Damo Hobgood's cause. <laughs> that's mean. Oh my god. Just saying, those guys are all right with Gabe Medina. That's <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Touche. Okay, well, until next time, two weeks from today, um, or perhaps earlier, uh, down the line, Surf Talk Radio or SurfSplendorPodcast.com is where you can find this. We're on two different platforms, and uh, all the videos and must-see moments and stuff and images will be on both sites as well. And um, adios and aloha. All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening. You know the drill. If you like the show, you want to hear more, invest in the future by sharing the show with friends. That's the way to do it. Follow on social media at Surf Splendor, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, that's a great way to share the show. There's a button, a share button. All you have to do is click the button for your friends to see it. So do that, and then, of course, rate and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen. 
And then of course, every page or every show has its own page on the website dedicated. And there's a comment section. So if you want to give Scott a hard time about hating Gabe Medina, leave it in the comment section. Um, sometimes those are really active and it's really cool just to see people's feedback. And, uh, I think with the Dan Malloy episode, some people had feedback for Dan, Dan chimed in on that as well and got involved. So it's a cool communal way just to continue the conversation from this show. And, um, and then there's of course a music page on the website with every song from every episode archived. So if you've ever wondered what the name of the song is, the good times are killing me by modest mouse right now. Uh, it is all on there, and then there's a Spotify player as well. Um, so it's embedded. You could just listen to a playlist from each episode, which is pretty cool. So go ahead and check that out. I wish I had that function with surf videos when I was a kid. I would have loved it. Instead, I was just recording with my uh, boombox up against the speaker of my television trying to get these soundtracks off Taylor Steele's movies. So um, definitely use that. And I think that's it. Until next week, I've got a fun episode for you. I hope that you dig that. I'm looking forward to sharing it and hearing your thoughts. But um, until then, just chime in on social media. And then, of course, if you're in Southern California, join us for the Bella Vita screening on Wednesday, September 24th. Buy tickets on our on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Let's go watch a movie together in the theater. Nothing better, right? Really excited about Bella Vita. Loved it. All right, that is it for this week. Until next week, this is your host of Surf Splendor, David Scales, saying thank you for listening and ciao.